Father, we praise you in this place right now in this moment. Father, as the reflection and the, the joy even that sparks in our heart when we come to the realization of just how much you have done for us, how you went to the cross, how you paid our debt, how you were even separated from the Father, how you were bruised and beaten and bloodied for each and every person that's in attendance here, God, for you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God, I thank you that you did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through you the world might be saved. Father, we praise the creator of all. We praise the creator of each life that's present in this room tonight, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. And God, we give you praise in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord today. Here in just a few moments, we have a, a short video to show you something I found. And I want to thank Matt for getting in touch with a voice actor to do the voiceover for this video. And a song, you may not be aware, the song that they so beautifully played just a moment ago was, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? I could hear many of you singing along with that. And I am reflecting back on my very first Easter. It would have been the year 1997, and I was saved in February. And just a couple months later, I was in a, a service, a gathering on Easter Sunday. It was my first Easter, having become a believer in my 20s. And a beautiful sister in the Lord named Beth, she got up to sing that during Easter Sunday. And church, let me tell you something, the tears just began to flow. The realization that I had in February that I could not save myself, that I could not help myself, that I could not overcome the things in my life and especially the great burden of sin that I began to feel upon my shoulders. Everybody here understands that sin is a burden. Sin destroys, sin will eat up your life. And to be able to bow my knee and to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, we oftentimes, I'd say most of the time, especially for me, we most of the time don't have a realization and a real firm grasp of what Jesus actually did upon that cross because it was much more than just being whipped and it was much more than being beaten and it was much more than just having his, his beard plucked out. But you have to understand that the father actually had to turn his face away from his only begotten son. Never had he experienced that. Never had he experienced that separation because he, he who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians tells us, became sin for us. And this time of year is full of symbols. Palm Sunday that we just talked about. The Sunday that he got on a donkey and I was thinking a couple days uh, later, Monday or Tuesday, I was reflecting back on that passage and him riding down into the valley and into Jerusalem that day. And it began 
to just stir in me that day as I was doing my devotions with the Lord that grace does not flow uphill. Grace flows down. It flows down into those darkest times that we feel like complete failures. His grace flows down. His blood flowed down from that cross. And the reason that he hung on that cross, and you may be here today and you'll be like, wow, this almost feels like a funeral service. Can I tell you, good, good. Because a lot of times we get focused on life and we get focused on busyness and we get focused on all the other trappings that can pull us away from days like today when we can gather together as a family and just be able to sit and ponder the sacrifice that was made. Matt, if you'd play that video, I just want you guys to, to watch this. And uh, I got a word for you today that ends in silence. Because on that day, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. You see, as I mentioned, you can't, you can't do the celebration of Resurrection Sunday without understanding the silence that Jesus had to endure on the cross that day. The Bible's very clear. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, right? We all have turned our back. We all, in some way or some form, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to share a word with you tonight that I believe will encourage you and will help you. And I believe as we go into communion tonight, as we celebrate the table, I've been talking the last few weeks, if you've been here, about the tables that Jesus went to to be able to fellowship with people. He was invited to different places. He spent a lot of time around the table. And I don't think there's any more uh, powerful table than the table that the, the disciples found themselves at after Jesus had been crucified. You see, life does this to all of us at some time where what we thought God would do and know he could do it doesn't exactly work out the way that we think it would work out. And even the first saying of Jesus upon the cross is we're commemorating this Good Friday because, like I said, it's Good Friday from our perspective, but it was Gruesome Friday from his perspective. And as we commemorate this, as we remember this, as Jesus took the elements of the body and the blood where he said, this is my new covenant. I thank the Lord today that we're living in the new covenant. We are living in the age of grace. We are living in the age where we can understand and have, a, have an understanding of just how powerful the cross is. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to the, those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God he did when the video there just so well puts that, listen, the iniquity of us all from time beginning from Adam and Eve all the way back in the garden to time in the future until Jesus comes and splits the eastern sky and sets everything right, all the iniquity. And the very first thing that Jesus said was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. How incredible church how beautiful how sobering for us to have that understanding the disciples who more than likely went back to the same upper room where they had 
enjoyed the Passover and enjoyed the, the Last Supper with Jesus that we commemorate during this Holy Week, during Passion Week. And they had gathered around there, and of course they had locked the door because they were afraid. And I want to tell you something tonight. The antithesis or the opposite of, fear, of faith is not, is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is, is fear. And there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And so they're hiding behind that door and they're despondent, they're discouraged, they're upset, and they are wondering why this happened the way that it happened. And as I have the value of obviously 2,000 years later and being able to read all the accounts, we know why it happened. We know that there had to be a price paid because all through the Old Testament, Every story and every sacrifice and everything that happened was pointing towards the perfect, spotless lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. So we're here tonight to commemorate that. We're here tonight to even celebrate that and to understand that sometimes we have to sit through the silence of a Saturday when we don't know and see what's going on for Jesus. I love the story that says Jesus appeared in the midst of them. Don't you love it when Jesus shows up? And the first thing he said was what? Peace be to you. You see, church, if he can overcome death, hell, and the grave, he can overcome anything in any of our lives. If he can overcome being turned away from the Father and the Father literally not being able to look upon his Son and communion and fellowship was broken, why? So that you could have communion and fellowship with your Heavenly Father. They were there because of fear. They were there because there had been a tragedy. And this was a table of even failure because you had people sitting around the, the table that certainly said, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. They gathered around that table even on the night of the Last Supper, and it's amazing, and think about this for a minute, it's amazing that Jesus said, and one of you will betray me. Do you ever notice in there that none of them said, Lord, it couldn't be I? But they said, is it I? Because we all have, which meant simply they all still had something in them that didn't believe fully that he was who he said he was. They were gathered around that table and even the pride of Peter comes up and there's so many directions that I wanted to go tonight and I thought about the, the, the riding into Jerusalem and all the things that happened that week leading up to him gathering together, the cleansing of the temple and them sitting together at communion and him, he even telling Peter, Peter, there's, there's still something that needs to be worked out in you. There's still something in you that I'm going to allow the enemy to come and to sift away and I'm thankful that even if you are at a table that it seems like and appears that is tragic that is difficult that is silent can I tell you tonight when you invite Jesus to your table everything changes everything begins to change and it's sometimes in those darkest most difficult times but I settled on this verse and this is going to probably surprise you as a verse for Good Friday but here's what popped out to me as I studied it. Somebody shared with me last Sunday, just right before service, um, concerning the commemoration of Passover 
And I find it also interesting that today is the Jewish calendar Passover and also Good Friday. I think that's super cool because there's so much symbolism in everything that they were told to do to commemorate God bringing his people out of bondage. We know that was a real physical bondage. And today, the same power that brought them out of Egypt is the same power that delivers us from sin and delivers us from bondage and delivers us from all those things. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 27, verse 57, it says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. (laughs) You know why he had to borrow a tomb? He wasn't going to be in there long, (laughs) y'all. It wasn't going to take long. Three days. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. So this rich man, a disciple of Jesus, and the significance of him begging for the body. Here in just a few minutes, we are going to partake of the blood and the body of the Lord. And in Psalm 34, verse 20, it says, He protects all of his bones, not a one of them will be broken. When they brought a sacrificial lamb as a, as a symbol, as, as, as them doing this over all those hundreds and hundreds of years, it was pointing to this day that we're celebrating and commemorating today of Good Friday. And when they, they enjoy Passover, it is so important for them that when they took the lamb shank that they celebrate Passover with and many other elements there that point towards bitterness of coming out of Egypt and those type of things, but it was very important that they said this, not a single bone when they commemorate that would be broken. When they brought the lamb to be sacrificed, not a single, not a single bone was to be broken. And Psalm 34 tells us that he protects all his bones and not one of them is broken. Look at your neighbor and tell them tonight, the Lord protects me. I want to tell you tonight that God has the capacity to keep everything concerning you intact. Come on, somebody. Imagine the crushing of the thorns upon his head. Imagine the the weight and the crushing of the cross that he carried. Imagine the, the pain of when he said to them, I am the Son of God, he was struck. Even imagine for just a minute the, the weight of disappointment of even those who continued to be around him that he didn't do what they thought he was going to do just a few days before on Sunday when they thought he was going to sit on a, on a throne and kick all the Romans out. wasn't what he came to do. And yet he was able to keep it intact. He was able to keep him from being broken. Can I just tell you tonight by way of encouragement from the word of God that the enemy would love nothing more than to break the people of God. The enemy would love nothing more than to come at you. Listen, he is out to break you, kill, steal, and destroy, the Bible says. But we never finish that verse, do we? But I have come that we may have life and have it abundantly. In other words, Joseph is begging for the body We are the body of Christ. We are the people of God. We are his representation on earth. 
And can I just tell you by way, again, of encouragement that we can't function. A body cannot function if it's broken. His body still functioned even though it was beaten and it was whipped and all these things happened to him. He could still function and fulfill his purpose. I came to tell you tonight, the enemy does not have the final say of your life when your life is in God's hands. God does. Nothing is broken. Nothing is torn apart, but that God has the ability to keep us. They spit on him. They, they, they beat him brutally, church, brutally. But it didn't break him. Everybody say it didn't break him. In John 19.31, it says the Jews wanted the legs of the three men that were hung, hanging on crosses that day. Why did they want that? Because Passover was coming and sundown was coming and they went to Pilate and they said, hey, we, we want to break their legs. And when, the, when he gave permission, they went out and it says they broke the legs of the two, on the, one on the left and one on the right, but they didn't break his bones because God had said, church, I came to tell you something tonight. When God decrees it and God says it, you can be sure that the enemy can go so far, but he can't go any further. The enemy can go so far, but he can't break you. And some of you are at that point where you feel like life has just beat you up and beat you down. Can I give you the good news tonight? He hung on the cross and was not broken, so he was, he was torn apart and nailed to a cross because he said, i got to make some room for a body. i got to make some room for the people of God to come in and they be the body of Christ, the extension of his church. Don't you ever forget that what God has already decreed over you. What has God decreed over you? God has decreed life. God has decreed your blessing. He became a curse so that you may be forgiven. You're not, your life is not in the enemy's hands. Your life is in God's hands. What does the Bible say? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from? Yes. Not a bone was broken. Why? Because God said several times, he'd been pointing to this and pointing to this and pointing to this. My point is simple. There's nothing in the Bible that is there by accident. There's nothing in the Bible that is there just by happenstance. Nothing in the Bible that doesn't cause us to dig into it and just simply ask the, the question, why? And even those disciples that were gathered around that table and so depressed and despondent and so fearful when Jesus appeared in the midst of them. Listen, the one that was hanging on that tree, bloody, beaten, not a, not a bone broken, because the devil can only go so far, amen? can only do so much when your life is offered up to God. The enemy can only, can only have so much say. came just to tell you tonight, God has a final say in everything. Because on that third day, church, <laughs> on that third day, the silence of Saturday became the celebration of Jesus in their midst. The fear of the time that they spent gathered locked away in that room began to become rejoicing and it began to become hope 
That's our theme this Easter is hope. The devil comes to steal your hope, and I came to tell you that he can't have it because when God is in control of your life, when you've laid your life down completely to him, the devil can only go so far, and he's got to stop. Joseph, being a disciple of Jesus, comes and begs for the body. The simple reason that no bones were broken is because God said no. Now let me get to the communion part that we're going to partake of here in just a few minutes. The bones couldn't be broken because the bones are the connectivity of the body. But a body that can't function is broken. It's a broken church. One of the commandments given to the nation of Israel was when a lamb was be brought to sacrifice, it had to be perfect and it could not be broken. Listen, in life, you can be hurt and you can be wondering what's going on. But church, the enemy can never break the church of Jesus Christ. Even everything you see going on around you and the turmoil and everything else, it it's amazing to think that it started with just a few hundred people and on the day of Pentecost it went to 3,000 people. But do you know there's over 2.1 billion people on the face of the earth today that say they follow Jesus Christ? And I'm not their judge, jury, or executioner, right? That's one in three people because the enemy made a huge mistake that day. He allowed the Son of God to be crucified, pain are dead. Death, hell, and the grave were conquered. God said what? He is close to the brokenhearted. And he comes to us when we have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Can I tell you why he comes close? Can I tell you why communion is so powerful and so important? Because it's a commemoration of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. When he comes, he comes to heal. Everybody say heal. The broken bread was symbolic. That What he allowed to be broken is that so you would never be broken. Are you listening to me? The devil didn't break Jesus. The Romans didn't break Jesus. The Pharisees didn't break Jesus. Jesus allowed himself to be broken. For you, Jesus allowed his blood to be spilled for you. Why is that so important and so astounding when you think about something? Because when they sat around that table, this was just right before he was going to be arrested and taken to the cross. He took the bread and he did what? And he said, what, this is my, that was broken for you. It was already done. Can I tell you tonight where you sit? You, you may be sitting and saying, I don't understand how this is ever going to work out. I don't understand how my kid's ever going to come to the Lord. I don't understand how my bank account is ever going to recover. I don't understand all these things that are going on in my life. Can I just share with you tonight? that his body is already broken. Listen to me. The enemy does not have the say. Jesus offered himself up willingly for you 
and for I. Jesus offered himself up. Took that punishment that we looked at just a minute ago. He took the, the 39 lashes. I mean, oftentimes we think, wow, you know, that, that would be hard. I don't think you understand how they did this. Say, Pastor, let's move on. No, wait a second. I don't think any of us have a real understanding. What does that do? It builds humility in our hearts. It builds a heart that's tender to the things of God, at least it should. Because I don't know about you, but I've been doing walking with the Lord for 25 years, and I look back over my life and see times that I walk in pride. I see times that I don't follow the Lord as closely as what I should. But all it takes is one moment to remember what he went through on that cross for my heart just to be, just to be brought back into a place of humility. Humility is so important, church. That's what days like today are. It's to remember. It's to remember. That's what communion that we're getting ready to take in just a moment is to remember. Because it wasn't just a whip. The, the Romans were experts at torture. I mean, I find it incredibly ironic that the Pharisees who had put him on the cross <laughs> wanted his body to hurry up and die so that they could go and have church. That's a whole other sermon. It is. Yeah, let's go ahead and speed this along. We have Passover to get to. Think about that for a second. An innocent man. I deserve to be there. He didn't deserve to be there. What they would do is that that, that whip was an... The Romans, they perfected this. Because not only was it a long, stranded, breeded, and about eight little cords on it long, but they actually would tie little hooks on the end of it. And if that wasn't bad enough, what they would do is they would go and they'd roll it in oil so that they would have a pile over here of broken pottery and broken glass and just pieces of dirt and pieces of, of stone that they would lay that in and roll it around so that when it went on the back of the person they were whipping, it literally ripped their flesh off. Can I tell you tonight? He was wounded for our transgressions. But by his stripes, we are. What does it tell us? It tells us that life can be hard sometimes. It tells us that things can get difficult. It tells us that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he is with us always. He is right there because no one would pay that high of a price for something and someone they didn't love so incredibly much. 39 whips, a crown of thorns that was braided and plaited and pushed down through his head to the point where the blood began to run down. He probably was beaten so badly he probably couldn't even see where he was going carrying that cross that day. What a wonderful Savior. When he was born, we love to celebrate when he was born. I love Christmas. I love that season. But it says, God with us. It's his name. But he didn't come to just be with us. He came to pay a price for us. Because one of my favorite words, one of my favorite words in all the Bible, 
It's telestai. It is finished. Everything that needed to be done, every single thing for you and I to come into the presence of a holy God is finished. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do, the Bible says, is humble yourself under the hand of the Lord. And oftentimes we think that hand is ready to strike. Can I tell you that hand is ready to embrace you? That hand is ready to wash your feet. There's something about our feet. That was another thing that stuck out to me. And guys, you can go ahead and start to, to pass out communion if you would. There's something powerful about him washing feet. Those are, these are all things that he did that week that should just show us who our God is. And that's the reason Jesus came. He simply said, if you want to know what God's like, he's like Jesus. something about our feet though there, there, there's something so symbolic and so incredible about him washing feet because why? because listen our feet get weary our feet get tired listen all the weight that we carry it goes on our feet our feet get smelly come on somebody am I right? our feet get bruised up and hurt. Even especially in that day that they would walk everywhere that they went. And they would travel, of course, by foot. There was something so symbolic of just an understanding that that's what he came to do. He didn't come to be king. He came to be a servant. He came to serve us and to pay a price. Ray, go ahead and give me one of those, brother. Thank you. If you're joining with us at home, I encourage you, Go get a little oyster cracker, a piece of bread. If you got juice, pour you a little cup of juice. God's fine if it's Diet Pepsi, y'all. He is. Because you know what this is to me? This is a moment for me just to stop and say thank you. Thank you that when God says you can't be broken because he already was. Can I tell you, you cannot be broken. You say, boy, boy I sure feel broken. <laughs> I sure feel like I'm about to give up. Can I tell you that you can partake of this and there can be supernatural strength? There can be supernatural healing? That is what we're called to be, supernatural people. This is just a little cup of juice and it is bread inside of a little top. But can I tell you tonight, what he paid for on the cross, he said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that was all, it, it was broken. By his stripes, we were healed. Everything that we needed to be able to come into relationship with God is already finished. And nights like this are nights where we gather together again. We call it Good Friday. I call it Good Friday. But every time I get to this day, having spent my time in the Gospels, reading up every year, reading the, the different accounts of everything Jesus did leading up to this week as it gets very detailed. 
I always get to this day and I wake up on this day and some time during that day or even in the morning when I'm just spending time with the Lord. Maybe you're like me, maybe not. I just simply say, God, I don't understand why you would do that for me. I, I don't. But he did. Here's why. This is the response I usually feel in my heart. Because you're worth it. You are worth what we just watched. You are worth the crown of thorns. You are worth the beating on the back. You are worth. You have more worth in your pinky than what you could ever even imagine to God. Because through our disobedience all the way back in the beginning, we shut off relationship with him. And God wasn't about to leave us abandoned. They had this plan set in motion from the very foundation of the earth that one day <laughs> he would send a son born of a virgin. And what did he say in the beginning and what was he doing on the cross? It said that the enemy, the snake, would bruise his heel, but that he would crush his head. And he was broken not a bone was broken, but his body was broken for you and I to just remind us of this. No matter what table you're sitting at tonight, you may be sitting at a table rejoicing. You may be sitting at a table of worry and anxiety about your future. But can I tell you, when you bring Jesus to the table, fear goes. Anxiety leaves. You may be sitting at a table of anxiety about your health. Can I tell you? that his body was shed for us. Would you please go ahead and open the communion elements tonight as we get ready to partake and celebrate. Look, I want to invite you Sunday because we're going to celebrate. <laughs> but church, I'm telling you, and this is from your pastor's heart, you cannot celebrate Sunday without understanding what happened today. You can't, without understanding that God had to turn his own face and turn his back on his own son that never did one thing wrong so that you could be accepted in the beloved, so that you could be adopted into the family of God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and open that. Just prepare yourself. Those things are kind of hard to get open, aren't they? Almost needed some help. Would you take that in your hands and just put it out in front of you? Y'all feel the Holy Spirit in this room? Thank you, Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread blessed it and he said this is my body that was broken for you I feel led in my spirit right now we have a very precious brother that's in the hospital brother Bill Lemus I told him that we would pray for him tonight and I feel led right here in this moment that brother Bill I believe you're watching right there in your in your room his body was broken for you Father, we pray in Jesus' name that healing would come. 
to him and to anybody that's present here tonight that the power of the broken body, the, the, the lashes that you took, the stripes that you took, was that we are healed, Father. We decree it because you decreed it. We say it because you said it. You said healing is the children's bread. So, Father, we proclaim healing because of the broken body of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you tonight, and we remember. Lord, remember bring, means that we bring back together. Lord, I pray over this body, this church, this family, that, God, nothing would be broken, but that it would be healed and set into place tonight. Father, those who are dealing with anxiety and anxiousness and worry and even depression, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that something so supernatural would begin to happen in their lives and in their hearts through the partaking and the remembering of your body tonight. Father, we thank you for your body. I thank you, God, that you paid a price. You may partake of the body of Christ. Hold, hold that cup out in front of you. This is symbolic of the blood. Church, may I remind you, no blood, no forgiveness. No blood, no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no taking away in the remission of sin. So, Lord God, as we hold this up in honor, high honor, is a representation of your precious blood that flowed down upon that cross. Lord, we don't take it for granted. You could have been beaten and you could have had your back whipped and had all these things done, but if you would not have been allowed yourself to be nailed to that cross and to pay the price, Lord, we would be still separated from you in our own sins. So, Lord God, we honor the blood of Jesus right now in this place. We honor your sacrifice in this house tonight. We honor you, Lord God, for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, so that we may be brought near and be adopted into the family of God. What great love is this, Lord, that we would be called sons and daughters of the Most High. But God, that's exactly what we are tonight, and we thank you for the love. We thank you for the pursuit. We thank you, God, that you did not leave us in our sin. You did not leave our souls in hell, but God, you have raised us up to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus because of the blood. I thank you that you look down on us tonight through the lens of the blood of your son. God, I thank you tonight that it's absolutely nothing that I have done besides accept your free gift of salvation, Lord, to be able to come now and to speak to you as my father come together with my family here at Christian Center Church. God, we thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, and we do this in remembrance of that blood. You may partake of the cup tonight. Thank you, Lord. Could I ask you to stand, and I ask the worship team here tonight to be able to lead us, and I think this is so appropriate for us just to sing about the blood as we close tonight. Amen. Join with us in, a, in, in worshiping for the next few minutes. Just stay standing for just a minute as Tammy continues to play. 
As we move from Good Friday into Saturday, think of how in our own life we will all experience the Saturday. I want you to begin to reflect, and I want to encourage you between now and Sunday morning. There's, there's, it's wonderful to come and hear a preacher. It's great to see a great quote. It's good to pull up somebody that's celebrating all those, all those things. But can I tell you what the most powerful thing is? The written, precious Word of God and the Holy Spirit breathing upon the Scriptures. So as you sit between the silence of Friday and Sunday, Resurrection Sunday morning, I want you to dig into the Word and read these accounts of His crucifixion and His Holy Week. And here's what I want you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to breathe life into the Word. And I promise you, you'll come back completely changed by the power of of God. Amen. I want to invite you and encourage you. I want to do two things. I want to encourage you to continue to pray for Bill, Lemus, and anybody else that you know that's that's just sick and physically, you know, not able to, to be up and around. And even people who may be watching tonight that'll be shut in on Easter. We want you to know we are with you and you're with us. And the Holy Spirit is there present with you, and He's the most important one anyway. But I do want to invite you to come back Sunday, and here's our theme. Hope is alive. <laughs> because hope is a person, and the devil can't destroy hope. Because when God decreed that we would have hope, and it's an anchor for our souls, then we are anchored into something so far beyond us. We're anchored into faith and the Word of God. And we're anchored in love. Can I tell you what love you're anchored in tonight? The love that comes from heaven and came down and paid a price. Amen? Amen. Go in the name of the Lord tonight and be blessed. Thank you for coming tonight. It's been a great service and a time of reflection on the Lord.